I don't know how many of you have followed the uh, the Chosen series. Talked about it here uh, a number of times. Uh, it's on YouTube, and uh, they have their own app. Uh, I, I would I would really recommend it. But in this last season, they had that the feeding of the five thousand. And you know, you read it in the Bible, and it's just kind of succinct. But to look at the disciples' faces, you know, when this is going on, because they don't have a clue. And uh, just, you know, the people are all there and there's just thousands of them. And Jesus begins to to do that. And they're like, ah, you know, I think sometimes we can lose that that sense of ah, right in in God. Which brings me to the message today. Um, People have asked about my sabbatical that I took a few weeks back and one of the uh, things that the Lord did in my heart during that time, as I made extra time, you know, to spend before him and to listen to his voice, there was one word that kept popping up in my heart over and over and over. And that word was holiness. Holiness. What, do you, what are you trying to tell me, Lord? What, what, what are you trying to get across to me? And, and that word brought me back to a passage in Isaiah chapter 6 I want to share with you this morning. Isaiah says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, With two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King the Lord of hosts. Father, would you speak to our hearts today? Get this message deep into us, Lord, for your glory. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. In the year that King Uzziah died, King Uzziah, I want to get back to him in a little bit. But in that year, Isaiah the prophet says he saw the Lord. Now, this was a vision that he had had uh, of the Lord. And whether he was in the temple or not, we don't really know. He could have been standing in the temple or the temple could have been just part of the vision that he had. Uh, when you, they talk about visions in the Bible, it's, it's almost like dreaming when you're awake. Uh, Peter had a vision when he was uh, praying of the, uh, on, the, on the roof one day. He was in the Spirit, just praying to the Lord, and he has this vision of this sheet coming down. You know, he's not making this up. There's this scene before him in a, in a spiritual vision. So Isaiah has this, this vision, and he says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. 
Right? He's, he's king over all. He's sitting on his throne. He's high and he's lifted up. Right? If you've ever seen the, the movies of kings or maybe even King Charles, I didn't watch that uh, recently, but you know, usually their throne is up on top of stairs, isn't it? They have to walk up these stairs on the throne. They're, why? Because they're exalted. They're high. They're lifted up over all, right? They're the king. Okay? It's a, it's a, it's a position of authority and reverence. And, and it says the train of his robe filled the temple. Uh, maybe you've seen, again, the old movies where the king has this elaborate robe where the train follows behind him, you know, kind of like a bride's train, only it's this big, you know, flowing thing for the king. Um, it represents splendor and majesty and glory, right? The Lord's train is cascading down from this throne, and it's absolutely filling the temple. You know, just... Think, think of the church, right? And, you, and here's this, this train just draping down, you know, over, the, over, over all of us, just filling this room. So, so you can see the, the magnitude of this throne and, and, and God and His presence. Uh, and above Him, verse 2, stood the seraphim. Now, this is the, the only place the word is used in the Bible. It literally means burning ones, burning ones. They're they're radiating. Remember when Moses was in the was getting the Ten Commandments from God, he was in the presence and his face glowed. So here are these beings, um, maybe even referred to in Revelation chapter 20 when it talks about the living beings um, with with these six wings. Could be the same, but they're they're just so close to God. They're they're radiating all the time the light of God's glory, right? So they look like they're burning, look like they're on fire. And each had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other, and he said, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory." We talked about the holiness of God a couple of weeks back. Holy means set apart, right? God is set apart from everything and everybody. Uh, just the sheer awesomeness of who he is. I mean, jaw-dropping, hide-your-face awesomeness, right, is our God. He is, he is just almighty, all-powerful, all-wise, all-righteous, all-wisdom, all-knowledge, all-glory. I mean, he's just so set apart from everything and everybody. And, and the voice of that seraph, it says that the foundations of the threshold shook. So here, here is Isaiah, and he, and, he, and he gets this image of the Lord and the, and the heavenly beings, and, the, and even the angel, right, calls to the other, and the foundations shake. I mean, it's like an earthquake, right? You, 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 can you imagine this scene that Isaiah sees. And Isaiah is just, he's awestruck. He's absolutely awestruck in the presence and the holiness of God. And look at his response. Look at his, now remember, Isaiah is a prophet. Okay? He is the prophet of God. He is someone chosen by God. He's, he's God's spokesman to the nation of Israel. Right? Someone who God communicates with 
on a regular basis, reveals things to. And as God's spokesman, he accurately proclaims God's will and his intentions uh, to, to nations and kings, right? I mean, this is not somebody uh, that, that, that's just walking down the street. This is the prophet of God, right? And look at his response. Look what he says, verse 5. Woe to me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Think about that for a minute. You know, suddenly, suddenly, in the presence of God, in the presence of God's holiness, what happens to Isaiah? He sees his own unholiness, doesn't he? The other day, uh, I, I went to pick up the, the desk for the new sound system that we're installing. And the guy is, is handing me this, this big box um, off this loading dock. And, and he tells some joke, which I'm not going to repeat here. Um, but he chuckles a little bit. And then he looks down at the sheet and he sees First Baptist Church. And he goes, oh. <laughs> he chastises himself, right? For, for, for what he did. Now, now he could have told that joke all day long and thought nothing of it. Suddenly he sees the word First Baptist Church and something happens in his heart. Right? Suddenly, in the presence of something holy, he sees something unholy in himself. Funny how that happens, right? Suddenly the joke becomes unclean. Even the prophet, even this prophet of God, around everybody else who apparently talked the same way, right? The words that he sometimes chose to use were no big deal. But now, standing in the pure light of God's holiness, ooh, he felt unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Do you see it? Right? In that's in God's presence. Now, Jesus said it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So not only does, does Isaiah recognize that his speech has not been right, he says, My heart has not been right before God. I feel unholy in the presence of of God. He, 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 he knew, he not only felt convicted, he knew he deserved God's judgment. What does he say? Woe is me. I am lost. He figured that any minute now, because of his unholiness, God was just going to strike him dead. That's how he felt. Let's go back to King Uzziah for a minute. Second Chronicles 26. Did you get this far, Walt? Where's, where's Walt? You guys get this far yet? Second Chronicles 26? In Sunday, past that? Okay. So you guys have seen this. Second Chronicles 26, Uzziah was one of the great kings of Judah. You, um, when, when you go through the kings and the chronicles, a lot of the kings, especially in Israel, they went from bad to worse. Um, in Judah, some of them were good, some of them not so good. Uh, Uzziah was one of the good ones. Verse 4 says, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that his father 
Messiah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of the Lord. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Okay, so here's this. He's, he's learned from his dad. He's under the tutelage of, of, of Zechariah, the priest. And, and he seeks the Lord, and the Lord is blessing him. There's this, a, after this, there's this long litany of Uzziah did this, and he accomplished that, and, and he went to war, and he won this battle, and, and all this kind of stuff. One thing after another, God is just blessing him. And verse 15 says, And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped, till he was strong. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. Look at that again, verse 16. But when he was strong. Isn't that the way it goes? When people, when you and I are in a place of weakness, when we're in a tough spot financially, where the doctor says it's cancer, or our marriage is falling apart, and you and I start praying, I mean praying hard, right? We're seeking after the Lord. And as we pray and as we draw near to the Lord, suddenly in His presence, it's like, and yeah, Lord, I know I haven't been doing this right, and I haven't been doing this right, and I've been doing this, and I shouldn't be, and... Right? Because we get, we get close to God and suddenly our, the truth of our hearts and what our lives are like, it's, can't hide anymore. Right? We think we are sometimes. <laughs> God knows it all anyway. But we get before His holy presence and we become aware that things in life aren't quite right. You ever notice that? But now we're, now we're a lot more willing to look at them because we need Him. God, we need You in our life. We need You to help us. We ask His forgiveness, maybe even make Him some promises to get some things right. And on the flip side, but when we're strong, when everything's going okay, when life is humming along, a lot easier to let things slide, isn't it? Like Isaiah, around everybody else who says and does the same things, no big deal. But before a holy God, suddenly we realize things aren't right. Now, I've shared with you before how difficult it has been for me through the years to get a real grasp of the love and the grace of God. And truly, that is the message of the gospel, isn't it? God's incredible, incredible love for us demonstrated on the cross. But try to explain the grace of God to somebody who thinks they're already a good person. Pretty ineffective, isn't it? Why? Because they don't need it. You don't need the grace of God. God, you know, he, Jesus did this for you. Well, I'm a good person anyway. Until you and I realize, until we really grasp 
that we are lost, that we are dead in our sins, that we are irreparably separated from God and destined for his righteous judgment and damnation, until we really grasp that, the cross doesn't have much meaning for us, does it? But when we do grasp it, when, 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 when suddenly we're faced with a holy God and we realize what's in our hearts, we say like Isaiah, woe is me, right? Woe is me. And then the grace and mercy of the cross means everything, doesn't it? It means everything. Likewise, even as believers in Christ, if we don't grasp that this God of ours is still holy, he's still holy, still jaw-dropping, hide-your-face holy and pure and righteous and all everything, if we lose sight of that, then we'll never really grasp and appreciate his love, will we? You know, like many of you growing up, my mom was my biggest cheerleader. I, I mean, she, through all my faults and my failures and, and bad habits, mom still loved me. You know, she just saw past all that and loved me unconditionally. But something happened when I got into my teen years. Maybe it happened to you too. Suddenly, I took advantage of that love. I knew what I could get away with. I knew what I could hide from her. I stretched every limit as far as I possibly could and then pushed it a little bit more. How about you? I still loved my mom, but somehow I had lost my reverence for her that I had as a child because I was a big, cool teenager now. Right? I lost that reverence. So what did that do? How did that affect my life and the things that I did? You know, we can do the same with the Lord. We can lose that sense of reverence, knowing that He loves us unconditionally in Christ, knowing that He is patient, knowing that He is forgiving, we can lose that sense of His holiness. We can lose that reverence for Him. And when we do, how it affects our lives. Oh, we might make Him a part of our life, but ultimately, we slip back on the throne, don't we? We call the shots. Oh, we pray, thy will be done, and we live, my will be done. Day in and day out. Like Isaiah, being more led by the world around us, by the people around us. Right? We compare ourselves to others and say, I'm okay being led more by that than by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. 
only when we grasp that sense of God's holiness will we truly, truly be overcome then by his grace and his mercy and then offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to him. Romans 12, 2 in the NIV calls that our reasonable service. It's reasonable when we see God in all of his grandeur and, and holiness. I say that word over and over. I just, I find myself at a loss for words. When I try to think of him and come up with words, he is indescribable. Right? But, but, you know, if the, the, um, the, the King James, um, where some of our modern translations might use the word awesome, right? But, but we've taken that word and we say, oh man, that's an awesome hat. Where'd you get that? You know? I mean, when you, when you look at the word awesome, right? You're talking, you are in awe of something that is just, ah, right? The, the, the uh, King James translates that as terrible. You know, you get this sense of the, the bigness of God and you just want to hide because he is just beyond and above. We, we, we need a balance. We, we need a holy God and a loving God. If it's all holy and hellfire and brimstone and we're just, you know, God, we have to serve God because he's, you know, this. That's a bad place to be. But if it's all love and I can do really anything I want because God's just patient, he loves me, and He, that's a dangerous place to be. We need to have a balance. When we see this, then we appreciate this. And we walk in, an, in a humble attitude before God. And we say, God, you are worthy to lay my life down before. When Jesus talked about, if you're going to follow me, pick up your cross daily and follow me. What is picking up our cross? What is that all about? That's saying no to me. Right? I don't like to do Anybody like to do that? Say no to yourself? You know, when somebody hurts you and God says, eh, 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 forgive. I don't want to do that. Right? God says, get out of your comfort zone. Do this for me. I don't want to do that because it's not comfortable. But if, if, I, if I just sit over here in the love camp, I don't really have to. It doesn't really cost me anything. Right? Because I, I just can go along and God will just love me and forgive me and be patient with me. I don't know, right? We need that balance in our life. And that's what God was speaking to me. It's begun to change my prayer life. Um, I, I, I found myself, instead of reclining to pray, on my knees. And, and I'm not saying that if you recline to pray or sit in a chair or walk or drive in the car or pray in the shower that you're wrong. This is not legalistic stuff. But I needed to be, oh yeah, 
Because that, that, that place of on my knees says, God, you love me. You're my heavenly father. You've done so much for me. You are patient. You are, but you're God. See? We need that. We need that balance. That's his church. Because if we don't have it, we're just going to go on our way. He, he, Jesus, and I've said this before, Jesus says, you know, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. He says, because a servant doesn't know what his master's business is. You know what the master's business is. You know that God's whole thing is getting people out of darkness into light. And our whole lives are involved in sharing the love of Jesus and trying to get people from darkness to light. That is our purpose as Christians. It's, it's not to come to church and sing songs and, and, and read words off a page. We have a purpose, a divine purpose. There is, there's a war going on. <laughs> Turn on the nightly news. There's a war going on. Our purpose is to bring people from darkness into light. And so much of what I do is centered around me. What I want to do, how I want to spend my life, rather than being a living sacrifice for God. You know, I, I, I have phrases like, my time. God gives me my next breath. You know, and again, he's not hammering. It, 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 it should be a, a reaction to his glory and his love that we say, yes. Yes, Lord, here am I, right? And that's that's what happens with with Isaiah. Um, he's 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 so. Um, let's let's go back to verse six. Look what happens when when Isaiah gets real with God, right? He he looks into his heart. He's he's being very real with it. He says he says, "Woe to me! I'm lost. I can see my own sin." In verse six. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs off the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. When Isaiah, so proud, profoundly affected and humbled by the holiness of God, when he finally opens up his heart and says, Here I am, Lord, flaws and all. I'm, I'm done for. I'm, I'm just, I'm done for. The seraph takes this coal probably from the, the, the altar of sacrifice that, that where the fire was kept burning in the temple all, all the time, all the time. He took that coal signifying, you know, the, 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 from the sacrifice and touches his lip. He atones for his sin. Isaiah says, woe is me. He's expecting judgment, right? But when he lays his heart bare before the Lord in all honesty, what does he get? He gets mercy. He gets mercy. Life-changing mercy and grace. And now that he carries in his heart, now that he's had a holy reset, if you will, and he carries in his heart both the love of God and the holiness of God, look what happens. 
verse 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he said, Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. When you and I get this sense of the holiness of our almighty God and his love and grace at the same time, that's the response. Here I am, Lord. I'm yours. You guide my life. You show me where to go, what to do. It's it's yours. It's yours. Because I I deserve that lightning bolt. <laughs> right? In the presence of God, if we got what we deserve, that lightning bolt would come and we would just be gone. So every every second from that point on, from our encounter with God, is a gift given to us by God. How can we do anything else but say, here I am, right? Send me, send me, and God says go. God says to Isaiah, okay, you got it now. Go. Go. Now that he has this balance, God reaffirms Isaiah's calling and sends him out into the world to make a difference. And that's what he wants to do with us. Help us to find that balance. To reaffirm his calling on us as the disciples of Jesus Christ. As the blood-bought church of God sent into the world to save souls. And he will say, go. Go into the world. Make disciples. Go into the world. Impact other people. It's not always going to be easy. You're going to have to say no to yourself a lot. You're going to have to put up with Stupid people, frustrating people, aggravating people. You have to put up with it and keep loving them because I'm keeping loving you, aren't I? Uh huh. Right? Let me ask you this morning. Let's get real. Just, just close your eyes, presence. Let me ask you this morning, who is God to you? Who is God to you? Is he a God of love? Wonderful. Is he a God of forgiveness and grace? Fantastic. God who is patient and kind and faithful and true? Amen, amen. But is he also holy? Is he high and lifted up in your heart? Is he Lord of all and Lord of our lives? Let's pray. God, Isaiah saw this, and and I don't know, Lord. I, I, I pray that you have somehow used these words to communicate the, the, the vastness of God, the holiness of God, the... the Again, I'm, I'm out of words, Lord, to describe the infinite God in all his glory and might and purity 
and righteousness and justice and truth. So I need you, Lord, to give us, whether it's a, a vision like Isaiah had or just some kind of realization in our heart of just who it is that we're dealing with here so that we can really receive your love and grace, but so that we can respond to our Lord and King in a manner worthy of you. Touch us, Lord. Touch us and send us into this world for you to love as you love us. Thank you. We give you the praise and the glory in your awesome name. Let's go ahead and just sing this.